Hi there, it's Kathleen here, and welcome to The Gathering, bringing God into everyday life. Let me encourage you to not just listen, but partner with God and practice what He speaks to you. You can access more information about me, my newspaper articles, upcoming events, contact me, or purchase my book, Thriving Through Seasons of Grief, on my website at www.kathleenmaxwellwamby.com. This podcast is now in 28 countries, and people have donated so that you can listen free. Will you consider paying it forward for someone else by giving a one-time or monthly gift? Simply click the button that says Become a Patron or Patronage at the top of the podcast. And don't forget to click the like or follow, and you'll be the first to know when new episodes are released. Enjoy the podcast. Welcome to the gathering today, and our lesson is going to be on overcoming, living an overcoming life. Living an overcoming life. And so today's lesson, what I want to talk to you about are some of the greatest, I call them weapons, that I've learned to use in my life and how to fight in situations that I've, you know, I find myself in. And I've learned in this just ways and tools that help me win. Everybody likes to win, right? Everybody likes to to win at something. And so they're not traditional things that one would think about, but I'm excited to share this with you. Let me ask a quick question. Has anybody ever gotten into an argument? Anybody? Anybody this week? (laughs) You don't have to raise your hand. So, I know, you know, when you just live in life, there are those arguments, you know, especially if you're married at times. But what I want to talk today is about how to fight with fruit. And I'm not talking about apples and oranges and bananas. Um, I'm going to be talking about something different. And one of the things I've learned is that I think everything about everything about everything in life is an opportunity for us to be conformed to the image of God and to change. And so when we look at our situations, our life situations that way, then it kind of helps take the drudgery of whatever we're dealing with out. I find that oftentimes God wants to work things in me, but he wants to work things out of me in those kinds of times. So if you've got your Bibles, let's turn to a passage in Galatians 5 and verse 22. And this may be familiar to some of you. Galatians 5, 22 says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such, there is no law. Now, this is number one, and in today's notes, uh, for those of you that are here in person, you can fill in those blanks. I'll read them again. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such, there is no law. 
And I want to use the illustration of a tree. This scripture says the fruit of the Spirit, which that means evidence. You know, a fruit tree, if, if, if you plant, you know, an orange seed, you're going to get a tree that produces oranges. Well, you can tell that that's an orange tree because, you know, when the fruit is bearing, you can tell what that tree is, just like you can tell what a pecan tree is or an apple tree or, or whatever kind of tree. And so evidence that we are walking in step with God, evidence that we're walking in step with the Holy Spirit this is evidence love joy peace patience kindness goodness faithfulness gentleness and self-control and so it says too against such there is no law so basically when we are in life and we practice these these are going to keep us safe when we practice love joy peace patience and so on down the line, it's going to keep us safe. It says, against such there is no law. When you're following the law, then you're really kind of, you know, you're kind of safe. Now, if you decide to break the law and speed or something like that, something worse, then you're probably going to get, or there's a chance you could get um, a ticket or whatever. So fruit is evidence and when you have Christ in your heart, when you've invited Jesus to be your Lord and Savior, these fruits are in you. These qualities are in you because your heart belongs to the Lord. But oftentimes, what I have found in my life is I would say, God, give me patience. God, give me more love. God, give me this, that, whatever. And what I felt like God was showing me is he said, I've given you these things, Kathleen, you just need to practice them. And just like in anything in life, the more we practice, the better we're going to get at it. And I certainly haven't attained some of these. I practice more than others because I felt like when I first started studying this, and I spent a whole year and a half studying these different topics, the fruits of the Spirit. And and I picked out the top three that I thought, okay, this is what I really want to focus on. And for me, that's what I did. In that year and a half, I began to work on just what I felt like, you know, God was showing me I needed to work on in my own life. And I would encourage you to do that. As we go through today, and as you take this home and pray about it, ask God, what, are the, what, are, what do you want me to focus on? And you might just take them one at a time and really dive into Scripture further further. Um, you know, one day I was sitting in my quiet time and I had been studying, studying this and I wrote down what I felt like God was speaking to me that morning. And what I felt him speaking was, this is how I want you to live. I've given you these fruits to govern your life. When you live in them, you stay in step with me. When you don't, you're out of step. And I wrote that down. It was powerful. And it was a reminder that when I, that God, just the safety of why he has given us and put those fruits in us when you give your heart to the Lord. And if you've never done that, I'd be happy to pray with you about that today. But when you give your heart to the Lord, then you have access to these. 
And so for all of us, it's an opportunity then to, to practice. But love, joy, peace, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness don't just appear, they are grown. And, you know, we have farming community in this area. And you can see just in the different seasons, you know, they really till and plow the ground and they get it ready. They get it ready and then they plant the seed and then they wait for the seeds to sprout and then they grow and then they have to be watered and then they have to be weeded, you know, to keep the weeds out so it doesn't suck the good nutrients. And then the fruit or the cotton or the beans or the corn or whatever is grown. And so I want you to liken that to what we're talking about today in the fruit of the Spirit. Don't beat yourself up, just keep practicing. And start with one or two that need to be really cultivated in your life. Um, I think it's a mindset of, okay, this is what I really wanna work on. This is what I really need to grow in. And as you get to one place, then you can move <clears throat> to another. But let's talk about love. And you can just take your own notes. Today's notes aren't complicated. I just thought I'd let you write down about each one of these, something that you feel is important. First John 4, 21 tells us, And he has given us this command, Whoever loves God must love his brother. Right there, that scripture commands us to love. It, it's a command. It's not in some ways an option. And I had a phrase that I would use oftentimes just to remind myself when I was in a difficult situation or was dealing with something. Um, for years I worked in social work and my um, assistant and I as we would talk about, you know, situations that we were dealing with, we dealt with women that were in abusive situations coming out of some kind of crisis. And sometimes it was just hard in different situations. And we would look at each other as we were praying for them and talking about how to help them navigate the situation. And we'd look at each other and say, gotta love them. She's like, yeah, gotta love them. Or Kathleen, you gotta love them. Remember, don't forget, you know. And so I passed that along because there are times that I have to talk and preach to myself, and love does not always come natural. We don't feel like it, but again, Scripture tells us that we're commanded to love, and love is the foundation, I think, of God's personality. So in asking you, you know, is it the foundation of your personality? I was talking with, um, talking with one of my kids, not too long ago and you know my kids lost their dad and so we've had a number of conversations but i they were one of them was asking me you know um just about you know okay mom you know when you're gone and we were just kind of talking about that and i said you know when i'm gone i want to remember be remembered as a person that loved well that is just my heart's desire, is that when people think, they think of me as someone that loved well. And so I love is something I try to practice because scripture tells us that, you know, love always wins. That love always wins. And it is a great weapon 
to fight with, but sometimes it's challenging. I was in a situation a few years back and there was a family member that got real upset. It had something to do with my um, husband's birthday and I was doing exactly what he told me. Well, this um, person got very upset and took it out on me. I got the blame, I got the whole thing, and I was like, oh my word, I was only doing exactly what my husband said to do. And I was real tempted to get my feelings hurt, be offended, and snap back. But if I would have done that, I would have uncovered my husband. And I wasn't willing to do that because love covers and love protects. And it was interesting as I just said, Lord, I am struggling here to love, but please help me to love like you love because I know you love this person and I want to love like you love. And some people are just not as easy to love as others are. But as I responded that way versus being defensive versus um, snapping and defending myself in that sort of thing, you could see it begin to break down the walls. And true love, this might be something you wanna write down, but true love gives without expecting anything in return. And so when we're really loving like Jesus, we don't expect something in return. Another quote that I have tried to live by, and this definitely helps when you're dealing with difficult people, is I am what I love, not what loves me. So many times we get our value by how many people we think love us. And I heard this quote years ago and it really resonated. I had to really think about it. I am what I love. In other words, the substance of our being, when we love difficult people, when we love in adverse circumstances, that shows everything about us versus the other persons. And we all want people to love us, but sometimes people don't have that capacity. Sometimes people are not in that same place in their relationship with the Lord. But when we love, we're obeying we're obeying scripture. The next fruit I wanna talk about, and, and let me just challenge you, that when you're in some difficult situations, try serving the fruit of love, try fighting with the fruit of love versus anger, bitterness, defensiveness. Because I have seen when I remember that, things work out quicker and better in my life. And at the end of the day, I am what I love, not what loves me. Each and every one of us are responsible for our own emotions, actions, and choices. And you can't put that on somebody else. Each and every one of us are in charge of those things. And when we take charge and responsibility of those, it really makes us powerful because we are not powerful enough to climb in and change someone else's emotions, climb in their head, change their actions. We can't do that. But we can take charge of ourselves. So the next one I wanna to talk to you about is joy. 
And joy is evident in someone's life. You can see joy in the smile on their face. You can see joy and hear it in their voice. When someone carries joy, you, it's evident. You know, one of the things that, um, that I try to do is reflect, and, and as you're walking through your day, as you're going to the grocery store, as you're going to the post office, as you're doing what you do in life, you know, you'll see people, I'll see people at times and I can just see like the heaviness that's on them. You know, maybe they've, I have no idea because oftentimes I don't know who they are, but you can see that. And just a smile, you know, if you smile at someone, oftentimes they're gonna smile back. And if they don't, that's okay. You've given them a gift. You've given them a smile and it might be it might be the best thing that happened in their day. Somebody smiled at me. But joy is, is evident, I think, oftentimes in different people's life. And it's hard to walk in joy because not all of life is joyful, okay? Not all, of joy, not all of life is joy. But when we, when we practice that, and there's a scripture in Nehemiah 8, verses 10, and it says at the end of that, that verse, it says, For the joy of the Lord is my strength. And I know for me, sometimes the only joy I could find in a day was that, Okay, Lord, I know you're with me. And Lord, I look to you for your joy to be my strength, to help me through this day, to give me the grace that I need to handle it. And sometimes I have been known to say, uh, uh, okay, I know my joy's here somewhere. I have just got to find it. <laughs> it's here. I know, you know. Or I know with my kids when they were growing up and they would be, you know, throwing a fit or having a pity party or whatever, I would look at them and say, find your joy. Go back in your room and find your joy, and then you can come out. But until you find your joy, I don't want you to come out. And, you know, in training my children, it's like the Lord was saying, and that works for you too, you know. And as Christians, we have the we have the opportunity to not every situation is joyful, but we can find joy in in the Lord. And um, you know, I remember the a holiday. And we had gone out to West Texas, and it was my first holiday. I have married, you know, married a guy from Uvalde, and we go out to West Texas. It's part of what, what he does and part of his business. But we spend Thanksgiving out there. And so it was my first Thanksgiving without my kids and without my parents. And all of this kind of happened at the same time. And I was really kind of dreading it because that had just been a part of life as I knew it. And now I had an opportunity in a new life. But one of the things, you know, thanksgiving, giving thanks, as I began to look, just even driving out there, you know, well, Lord, thank you that I've got a new adventure ahead of me. You know, thank you that I have had a number of years, you know, with my parents. They were, they were older when they passed away. Thank you that I have had a lot of holidays, and I've got a lot of memories I can reflect on. And some of those were painful, but 
it was a good treasure that was in my heart. And so giving thanks helps us find joy. And that's my go-to when I'm trying to find my joy. When I begin to thank God and look for things I can be thankful for, it can shift my attitude and shift my perspective and help me find my joy. And I think for all of us, you know, we want to be an extension of God's voice in his arms and who he is to those around us. And so joy, I think, is very closely tied to giving thanks. And with November, this being November and Thanksgiving coming up, I know when I was widowed, one of the things that I did was I started a Thanksgiving journal. And what I mean by that was I began to write down because I felt like my life was over. I had a hard time seeing any good in it after I was, you know, widowed and in those dark days of grief. And so I got a little bitty notebook and I kept it right by, you know, where I put my makeup on. And every night when I would be doing my routine and, and, and getting ready, brushing my teeth, I would take that out and I would think and write one thing I had to be thankful for. And at first it was hard, you know? I mean, I remember one night sitting there and I couldn't think of anything good. And I thought, okay, well, thank you, Lord, that I have running water. I mean, years ago, people didn't have running water. So sometimes I had to really reach for what to be grateful for. But when we do that, Thanksgiving can help us find joy and change our heart. So the next fruit we're gonna talk about fighting with are using in our everyday life and fighting with, it's what we use when circumstances are coming against us, it's peace. Jesus said in John 14, 27, if you have your Bible, you might want to turn to that. And Jesus said, I've referenced this scripture before, peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. I do not give you as the world gives. Do not let your heart be troubled and do not let it be afraid. And so that scripture right there was a command that the Lord gave us. He was fixing to leave his disciples. And so he was trying to prepare them. Hey, by the way, you're going to be in some stressful situations. And so I'm leaving you with my peace. He didn't just leave them with a little bit, he said, here's my peace, I give it to you. And that's one thing that I think is very wonderful. When we incorporate these things into our life, then we can give them to other people. And peace, in this context of what I wanna share with you today, it can be freedom from anxiety, fear. We can bring our peace when there's times of conflict when there's times we can bring our peace into that situation and change the atmosphere. But it is a choice. And one of the things I used to walk around and say, just in life, and I said it over and over again, and the Bible tells us that life and death are in the power of the tongue. We either speak in life in our situation or we're speaking death. And I would frequently say, I don't anymore. I'm so anxious about this. I'm so fearful about this, or I'm 
you know, this is really making me anxious. I was feeding the anxiety when I would say that about whatever it was in the situation. And the Lord said, don't speak that over yourself. You know, you can say the opposite and say, okay, Lord, this is stressing me just a little bit, but I'm choosing your peace. You're going to help me through this. You're going to help me figure it out. And for me, I will say peace is my go-to of all of these fruits. Just for me and my life, you may find another one, but usually when I, this is my foundation, it makes the other fruits easier to find. Um, I shared in one, my podcast on walking in peace a few weeks back that how the Lord showed me one day, he said, I've given you peace because I was like, Lord, if you'd give me more peace, I'd be able to handle this. And he said, Kathleen, I've given you peace. You just don't walk in it. I was like, oh, ouch. <laughs> ouch. You have given it to me. It's up to me to practice it. And I talked about, too, how I would blame God, I'd, you know, that he hadn't given me the peace. I was putting that blame on him when he really had. He says that over and over and over again in the scripture, but it's up to me to practice it. Anxiety and fear are not from God, but peace is. It said it's evidence of walking with him. And I was full of fear as a woman that had walked with God for a long time. Um, I had a lot of fears in my life. And one day the Lord began to, to say, I want to set you free. And one at a time. I mean, I'm telling you, as a grown woman in my 30s, I was afraid to go outside in my yard, in town, in dark. I mean, I had a fear of the dark. And, you know, now I don't mind walking through town, you know, at night. That doesn't, that doesn't bother me. But the Lord began to set me free of a lot of fears. And that's what God has. Peace is an excellent weapon. And right now, we certainly live in a crazy world. Crazy, crazy world with stress, disaster, you know, so many different things, pandemic, border crisis, all of those different things. And we have an opportunity when we develop that fruit of peace to give it away to those around us. Um, one of the things in times of conflict that I have tried to do is when I and I've got a voice, you know, that can carry. But when there's times of conflict, to try to just even lower my voice a decimal or two, lower it. And it's almost like what I have seen just as, you know, I'd pick up my three, you know, kids when they were little or my grandkids now, how at times we have to pick up, you know, somebody that's in distress and comfort them. But we do that with our gentle words. You know, have you ever picked up a baby and it's okay, it's okay. You know, you're calming them with your peace and it helps that child settle down. And we can use that in everyday situations, whether it's conflict with a husband, whether it's conflict with the teacher at school, whether it's whatever is in our life that we're dealing with. Partnering with God in peace is, I think, just an excellent foundation. Um, I remember my daughter, I want to tell you this story, my daughter was pregnant and she was having her first baby 
And she called me and she said, Mom, I just left the doctor's office. She said, I need you to come down. My platelets are low, my blood pressure's high. The doctor said I could possibly give birth if my body cooperated. But, you know, she said, I need you to come on down. And so as I was driving to Houston to be with her, and of course, as a mom, I was concerned about her and this, um, I prayed and I said, Lord, what is my role in this? I'm, I'm so grateful I'm going to get to be in on the birth of this baby. But what is my role? Because things aren't looking good, you know, and it was looking like it was looking like I wouldn't get to be in there, which was totally irrelevant. You know, her safety was the biggest thing. But what I felt God showed me as I was driving was he said, your role is to establish peace and to guard it. And so I was like, okay. I didn't quite know what that meant. But as I got there, they induced her about 10.30 that night. And um, she was only at, at four centimeters. She hadn't eaten in 40 hours. And 21 hours lab later, she was still laboring. And by that time, I'm like, where's the doctor? Let's just get the baby here. <laughs> you know, I, I don't want to do this anymore. But I remembered what God had said. He said, I've called you to establish peace. So I knew for her sake, for her husband's sake, I needed to guard my peace. And I needed to be able to give that to them. And not too long after that, the doctor came in and checked her, or the nurse came in and checked her and said, I'm going to get the doctor right now. And she was able to give birth to my grandson. And it was neat because the OB nurse that uh, was in there right after Truett was born, she said, I'll have to tell you, I didn't think this was going to go the way it's gone. And she said, but I have never been in such a peaceful room in any of my OB rounds. And I just had to smile because I knew that that was, that was something. But as a mama, you know, my heart was a little, I was having to fight some anxiety for the sake of my child. Psalm 37, verse 37 says, A future awaits for those who seek peace. In other words, there are good things when we are seeking peace. And it is, I think, an excellent weapon. And I challenge you to seize the peace that Christ has provided. And that helps us look forward to our future. Maybe you're sitting there and you don't think you have much of a future in some situation that you're facing. But it says, when we seek peace, a future awaits for us. Another thing about peace and I just love talking about peace was, you know, that I battled was when my mom was battling um, her illness. And, you know, I remember one day the doctor calling and she said, I've got the results. Do you have a pen? You need to write things down. And I remember all I could find was a brown paper bag that groceries had come in and um, someplace I had gone. And so I wrote on that brown paper bag and as I was writing, and the doctor was saying her brain damage is irreversible, and I was getting reports like that, and my heart began to beat fast, I had to really practice my peace. And what was important in that situation was me practicing my peace because I had siblings that I was going to have to relay all this mes this, these messages to. 
When we have the peace and we practice it, it's an excellent thing we get to take into difficult situation. And, um, and I just want to encourage you in developing peace because your ministry, so many people think, well, okay, you know, you've got a ministry, you do this. No, each and every one of you have a ministry. Each and every one of you in your sphere of influence, in where you work, in your home, you have that. And your ministry is who you are and wherever you go. And so peace is something our world really, really needs right now. So be intentional about giving peace away as well as love and joy. And sometimes what I have found, I have to die to self. I have to die to what I want in order to cultivate and practice these fruits of the Spirit in life. Galatians 5.24, let me share this with you because it goes along with dying to self. 5.24 Galatians, it says, Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the sinful nature and its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step by the Spirit. So right there, it tells us that when we belong to Christ, you know, and he was crucified for us. He was crucified. We have crucified our sinful nature. And so sometimes we, we should not, we don't have the luxury of doing what we want. We need to do what God's word says we need to do. You know, for each of us, we don't have to be anxious, angry, bitter, mean-spirited, impatient, harsh, unkind anymore. Those don't belong to us anymore as children of God. And they're not who we are. We've talked about who are we really. They're not part of who we are. Now, we may walk in angerness, bitter, be mean-spirited or impatient. But why would you choose those? when you could choose love and joy and peace and gentleness and kindness. Each one of us has choices. And Jesus paid a great price for us not to worry, fear, have anxiety or frustration. Those belong. We can give those to him in exchange for what he has for us. Let's talk about patience. Patience, I'm gonna tell you the definition of patience. I looked it up. The willingness to surpass, that means go around, restlessness or annoyance when confronted with delay. The willingness to surpass restlessness or annoyance when confronted with delay. Patience also means calmness and stability. And God has provided that for us. And I'm not going to stand here and tell you I'm the most patient person on this earth because I am not. This is one I have to really, I have to work at. But when we are patient with people, how many of you have ever gotten impatient with other people? Yeah, I have. When we're patient with people, what I have found is we're, when we allocate patience to that person or situation, it helps us to find value in them. 
It helps us to find value when we allocate patience. You know, one day I was, <clears throat> my husband had irritated me. I'm, I know I'm the only one in the room that that's ever happened to. But through confessions, he had irritated me. And as I was praying about it and really kind of complaining to the Lord <laughs> and all truth, I felt like God said, Kathleen, be patient with him. Allocate patience to him. And when I did that, and I looked at the situation from God's perspective, it began to change my heart. You know, oftentimes we want things to happen today. We want them to happen right now. And the Lord is patient with us. How many of you can say, the Lord has been patient with me? I know he's been patient with me. And we have that same opportunity to allocate patience to other people or other situations in our life. Romans 15.5 talks about patience. Let's see what God's word has to say, because that's what's important. Now, the God of patience and consolation grant you to be like-minded toward another according to Christ Jesus. The God of patience. And that's Romans 15, 5. All of these scriptures are at the top of your lesson for you to look up. The God of patience. So God does, that's one of the character qualities of God. And he is very patient. He doesn't give us what we deserve. He's a God of kindness. He gives us opportunity to repent. He gives us opportunity to to change. He gives us the opportunity for a better way of life. In Colossians 3, verses 12 and 13, it tells us something else. It tells us what we need to wear every day. Each one of us go into our closet and we pick up what we're going to wear. We, we get to do that. Here's what God says we need to be wearing. So is God's chosen, so as the chosen of God, holy and beloved, put on a heart of compassion and kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Right there in scripture, it's telling us we need to wear patience. And I think God told us that in his word because he knew we were going to need it each and every day. In so many situations like when I really have to practice patience is when I'm having I go to the store I need to get in and out and there's a line there's a line and I get to stand there I get to stand there <laughs> and smile and practice my patience this can be in little situations but oftentimes it is the big situations too but that's our training ground let's talk about kindness Kindness, in the definition of kindness, kindness considers someone's heart and acts accordingly. Kindness considers someone's heart and acts accordingly. It is the quality of being considerate, friendly, generous, and loving. 
And when I think of kindness, I think of how kind God has been to me throughout my life. When I really reflect on different things in my life, I've seen his kindness. I've seen him consider my heart and say, Kathleen, I know that hurts. Kathleen, I know, I know right where you are. I'm with you in this situation. God is kind with each and every one of us. 2 Timothy 2, verse 24, let's see what, what the Bible has to say here. It says, The Lord's bondservant must not be quarrelsome, must be kind to everyone, able to teach, patient when wronged. Oh my goodness. That's a pretty packed scripture right there with instructions for us. The Lord's bondservant, that's us, must not be quarrelsome, must be kind to everyone, able to teach, patient when wronged. We can choose kindness or self-centeredness in any situation. And I know sometimes for me, it's easy to be self-centered about what I want, what I need, what's going on. But kindness considers other people. It considers those around us. It considers where their heart is. And so different people at different times need different things. Luke 6.35, now this is who we're kind to. You may not like this scripture. But I didn't write it. <laughs> I just found it. I just found it. And Luke 6.35 says, He is kind to the ungrateful and the wicked. Everybody can sigh. <laughs> he is kind to the ungrateful and the wicked. Wow. I think when we serve the fruit of kindness to people when they least deserve it, that's when it can make them pause and think and reconsider their ways. And second, or 1 Thessalonians 5.15, this is another one you may not like, but again, I didn't write it. It's in the Bible. Check it out yourself. 1 Thessalonians 5.15, it says, Always be kind to each other and everyone else. Now that doesn't exclude many, does it? <laughs> Between those two scriptures, we are instructed to be kind and consider other people's hearts all the time. And I know for me, one of the ways that I have worked to develop kindness is asking God to help me to see things through his perspective. Because my perspective is limited. It's earthly. It's, you know, usually right here in this box god sees the bigger picture and all i was dealing with a situation one time in work and i was dealing with a very difficult colleague and things were just not adding up i had no idea at that time but as and i was having to travel i was having to go out of town and i would have to spend like days with this woman and I was praying about going up there after the first time. I was like, 
that was not fun last time, Lord. Help me to see this from your perspective and show me what you have for me in this. You know, obviously I can't fix her, the situation. And I did go to my boss and say, hey, you know, there are some things that I'm just not real sure about and this some of the that I'm, things that I'm dealing with. But then I had to leave it in my boss's hand. And um, as I was driving that day, I felt like God said, this is your opportunity to practice kindness. And I felt like God said, I want you to fight with kindness and gentleness. And I'm telling you, it was a real discipline for me to do that. And I had to work with her um, for a number of weeks on that. And, but I knew at the end of the day, whether God ever changed her, changed the situation at work or whatever, this was about me. And could I practice kindness? And could I practice gentleness in the midst of this adversity? And it took about nine months, but then all the truth began to unravel, even stuff I had no idea about. And that woman was gone from the agency. But for me, it was about what God was wanting to teach me in that situation. And I got some real, I was studying kindness, which was probably a good thing for her because I really wanted five minutes in the flesh. I really wanted to deal with the situation and I knew though that that's not what God had for me and that's what I had to be obedient I've seen it other times God be kind to me while I was in the middle of that situation I was I felt like the air had been let out of my balloon because it was I was traveling it was hard there were so many things and I was crying one day because it just that and I had rolled into Kerrville and I'd gone, you know, was getting going back to my office there and was going to Rotary on my way. And I was like, Lord, just encourage me. I just need encouragement today. And, you know, when you need encouragement, go to the Lord, ask Him to give it to you. And I was running, you know, I was running late. So I was running on the way, you know, walking, you know, quickly into the meeting. And I heard this man, this man was working on the, the grounds. And he looked up, he said, excuse me. He said, are you Kathleen Maxwell? And I stopped and turned and I said, well, yes, I am. And he said, well, you probably don't remember me, but our sons played football together years ago. And your, your late husband was a coach. And I said, thank you for reminding me. No, I, d I didn't remember that, but yeah. And so we talked a little bit about, about his son and my son and my late husband. And he just looked at me, he said, I need to tell you something. I've been hoping I would run into you. And I said, okay. He said, I was in jail for a year and a half. And he said, for something I did that I shouldn't have done. And he said, but while I was in there, I began to read in the paper about, because I wrote for the paper every other week in the face section, he said, I began to read your articles. And he said, I would tear them out and keep them in my jail cell. And he said, you don't know how you changed my life, but I just have had to thank you for that. And by this time, I just started crying. I just started weeping. And I just looked at him and I said, Wallace, you're an answer to prayer today. God used you to answer my prayer because I really needed encouragement today like no other day, you know? And so it was a win-win situation 
for both of us. But ask God. Ask God. He's a kind God. And so whatever it is you need, ask him, and I'm sure you're going to find his kindness. Gentleness. Let's talk about gentleness. Because gentleness is very valuable. Gentleness is powerful humility. Gentleness is being sweet-spirited and tender-hearted. I had to laugh one time. Um, I was asked to speak at a ladies' luncheon, and the lady that called me, she said, uh, now we are, we are studying the fruit of the Spirit, and she said, we're asking you for April, and she said, and I, she said, can you do it? The date is April, whatever. I said, yeah, I can do that. My calendar's free. I'd love to come and speak. And she said, okay, well, we're going in order, and so the topic we need you to speak on is gentleness. And I was almost choked, you know. I was like, you want me to speak on gentleness? I didn't say that, but that was what I thought. I said, oh, oh, okay, okay. And I got off the phone, and I was like, what have I gotten myself into? Because I thought they have just asked a bull in a china closet, you know, to speak about gentleness. Because I just thought, that's not something I don't feel like I'm really good at. But the Lord again said, this is your opportunity to study and practice study and practice and so I learned a lot just in preparing and oftentimes I think I get more out of these lessons than you all do but gentleness is very valuable so why should we be gentle I'll just tell you real simple it's because Jesus is and it tells us that in Matthew 11 verse 28 Jesus says come unto me all who are weary and burdened and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. And that yoke, that means we get to walk side by side. Side by side. That's if you study what a yoke is. Take my yoke upon me, you, and learn from me. For I am gentle and humble in heart. And you will find rest for your soul. When we step back and are gentle in situations, it provides rest for us. And Jesus describes himself as being gentle and humble in heart. Philippians 4 verse 5 tells us, it says, Let your gentleness be evident to all. Let your gentleness, how much of your gentleness is showing? For some of us that are a little more deal with the kind of people or, you know, bold, strong, that kind of thing, gentleness can be something we have to really cultivate. I remember one time in one of the social work situations I was in, I was trying to, one of my, one of my women came in and she said, I can't pay my rent. And she said, I don't know what to do, and I'm just so upset about it. And so I said, well, I, she said, can you fix it for me? I said, no, but I want to help you learn to fix it. I said, so here's what I think you need to do. I think you need to call up your landlord. I think you need to tell her what you can give her and ask her if she'll give you some grace and let you slowly pay it. So that's being responsible. Don't just let it be late and then let her get irritated and everything that's not going to happen so she said okay 
And so she called the woman on the phone and she began to explain that she was going to be late, but she had part of her rent and she could bring that. Well, I could hear the landlord yelling through the phone because she was using the phone in my office. And I thought, oh my goodness, okay. And the girl looked at me with big eyes, kind of like, this isn't working. And at that point, I did say, let me, let me talk with her. And so when I got on the phone with that woman who was yelling, I just lowered my voice softer and softer and softer. And as I used my gentleness in that situation, she quit yelling, you know? And I could have said, you need to give this woman a break. Do you know, I mean, I could have given her a list of reasons why she needed to give that woman a break because I knew the bigger picture. But that wasn't the issue. I was trying to empower that woman, but I was also able to diffuse that situation when I used gentleness versus trying to go head to head with her. And then she did extend grace to the woman and they did work together and she did get her rent paid. So gentleness can diffuse tense situations. And also I think the, the neat thing about gentleness is when we use our gentleness, it makes people feel loved. It makes them feel valued. And it's a deposit in their emotional bank. Okay, self-control as we move right along. Self-control. The definition of self-control is the ability to control one's behavior and emotions in the face of temptations or impulses. The regulation of one's behavior to achieve a goal. Self-control. This is the opportunity when we don't just do what our flesh wants to do, but we control ourselves. Again, self-control is the ability to control one's behavior, emotions in the face of temptation or impulses, and the regulation of one's behavior to achieve a goal. Self-control means you don't let yourself get bitter, angry, or resentful. You don't act like those around you. You use your self-control. As a child of God, we've got access to all of these fruits, and sometimes it takes self-control for us to try to stop and figure out which is the next fruit we need to look for to help us in this situation. You and you alone are responsible for your emotions, actions, and choices. So I want to encourage you to be responsible. No one makes you angry. You choose that. Or you can choose self-control. You can choose to trust God. You can choose. God has made us to be powerful. And we have to accept our responsibility. I mean, I had said a number of times until I grasped this, well, so-and-so made me angry. No, I chose to be angry because I didn't like whatever happened in that situation. When we exercise self-control, it's easy, I think, to practice all of the other fruits. First Peter 1, 2 Peter 1, verses 5 and 9. 
I want to read this to you. It says, His divine power has given us everything for life and godliness through our knowledge of Him who has called us by His glory and goodness. For this reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness, and to goodness knowledge, and to knowledge self-control, and to self-control persevering, which is patience, godliness, and to godliness love. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, in other words, we're to grow in them, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. The word knowledge in this passage means to act. We have, we have an opportunity to choose self-control. And it's in that place where we practice, it's the experience that makes us rich. As you practice something, as it begins to be woven into the fabric of your life, that's what makes you rich. Anybody can quote a scripture or whatever, but it's as you practice it and cultivate it, it's what's going to make you stronger. So many times we just want it. And it doesn't work that way. We have to practice. We have to start where we are. And so wherever you are, just start there. Just start there. Because as we practice, we're going to get increasingly stronger in situations when we practice and cultivate these, these fruits in our lives. Another reason I want to leave you with as we wrap up things today is that you have so much to give. And it's not, too, it's not too late, you're not too old, and you're not too young. God is going to put people in your life. God wants you to be his hands, his feet, his voice, his gentleness, his kindness, his love to those in the world that are around us. And right now, more than ever before, this is our time. This is our time when we can make a real difference in the world around us. And I just want to just encourage you to, to pick a fruit. Pick a couple of them. Begin to just focus on those. God will show you which ones. You know, I mean, for me, when I was reading and doing the study, I thought, well, I need to work on all of these. But no, I just needed to start right where. And so as I spent a few days just praying about what should I work on first, what am I going to delve into? God showed me. And we just have to start where we, where we are. But as we practice daily, then they become a part of us. And then we have the opportunity to serve those fruits. When we cultivate them in our life, then we can give them away. I know it's, it's fun sometimes when we, we do just some fun gardening. But it's fun when we not only have enough for ourselves, but we have enough to give away. And that's what I feel like the Lord wants us to do, is as we practice these fruits of the Holy Spirit, that they become evident, that it's evident in our lives. And if you fail, like I do, get back up and practice again. Don't condemn yourself. Get back up. Ask God to forgive you. Forgive yourself and get back in the race. Because there's a world around us 
that needs us. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for, Lord, the fruit of your spirit. And Lord, that this is who you are. And God, the cry of our hearts is to be like you. And so, Lord, I just pray you would help all of us to practice these fruits, to serve these fruits to those around us, Lord, to make them a part of our life so people will know who you are and their hearts will be turned to you. And so, Lord, use each and every one here, each and every one listening, to take your gentleness, your love, your patience, your joy, your kindness, self-control into the world around us. Thank you, God, for being patient with us and loving. And Lord, that you provide your joy to be our strength. Thank you, Lord, for each one listening. Bless their families. Bless their marriages. Bless their business. And let us be your hands and feet to those around us. In Jesus' name, amen.